Hey guys, it's Rachel Silver Cohen. Today on Unpolished Therapy, Dr. Boca and I are taking a deep dive into those love languages. I know typically there's five of them, but obviously we're unpolished. So who knows what's going to happen when we meet on the corner of audacity and advice. Take a listen. We hope you enjoy. What do you get when the audacious and the therapist collide? A crash course in unpolished therapy. Rachel Silvercone and Dr. Boca aren't afraid to spin out of control, tackling all the tough talk. Their weekly sesh meets at the corner of Audacity and Advice, where their wheels and yours get turned upside down. Hey everyone, happy Wednesday. It's Rachel Silver Cohen and Dr. Boca. So you know what that means. It's another episode where we have ditched the couch. We are grabbing the mics. We are breaking down all the unpolished wreckage on the corner of audacity and advice. Good morning, Dr. Boca. Good morning, Rach. How are you? I am great. How are you? Excellent. I'm so excited for today talking about love languages. Love languages. Oh boy. I'm going to buckle up for this. Well, I'm already like derailed before (laughs) we even get in the car, but I'm going to follow your lead on this. And the reason I think that we're talking about love languages today is because for some reason, and I know a lot of times I'm late to the party or I'm the last one to get the memo, or as we've talked about before, like I didn't understand the assignment. I have been seeing all over the place that like the new rhetoric, the new verbiage, the new diatribe, if you will, is what's your love language. And I don't know if it's what I'm reading or what I'm watching or what I'm hearing. It's just love languages and the like is the language that everyone seems to be speaking. So I thought maybe we could break that down from the standpoint, again, I know it's not real therapy, but from your expert, even though we're in this non-expert arena, because I know my love languages are different from what I'm pretty sure you're going to say these love languages are. <laughs> well, and, it's, and I'm chuckling in part from that comment, but also because it seems to be your new rhetoric. You know, obviously, you're probably seeing social media or you're seeing things in your feed and stuff because you're just coming about it. But it's been out there for like 30 years, right? So like not even late to the party. You are like so behind. I wasn't scenes. even invited to the you, party. Exactly, exactly. So I mean, I've been using love languages as a concept, probably mm-hmm. 20 years in private practice, but I believe it's probably about 30 years old. Gary Chapman was the original person who kind of conceptualized it. And on the heels of our love for Amazon, for our listeners, if you listen to our previous episode on Amazon, um, if you want to buy the book, you can go on to Amazon, or you can go on to Goodreads or Audible or whatever, and you can pick up the book. But the concept of love language is an important one. I don't know if it's the holy grail of all relationships, but I do think it's a nice starting point and a a nice way to understand your partner and try to develop a more successful relationship. Okay. So the way that I think would be great for me, of -hmm. course, but also for our listening audience out there, is to have you as our resident expert here, right? Kind of go over what these love languages are. And me as sort of like the guinea pig, I'd like to ask questions for myself, but also on behalf of our listeners, because I guess the first thing for me that maybe is why I'm stunted is that when I think of love languages, the first thing I think of is like, is this strictly from like partner relationship, right? Husband, wife, boyfriend, girlfriend, or can this be friends, siblings, family members, business associates, et cetera? So it's a great question. And they have since come out with other books like Love Language for Children. And for so dummies, it, for, for the for unpolished. <laughs> well, I think that's what this is. Okay. <laughs> that's what this episode <laughs> that's is. That's what unpolished right? therapy is. We're bringing okay. it all the way down to the basics. Okay. So, I mean, again, and I and I caution our listeners, you know, I'm not a big person to say, let's take this and not understand that this is just a starting place. This is just a conceptualization and a way to teach fundamental relationship understanding. This is not the holy grail. It is not the only way. It is not like everybody's only going to have one love language. And therefore, if you have a different love language with somebody else, that this is like you should run for the hills. That is not what this is saying. 
This is also understand that potentially love languages can be affected by how old we are, where we are in our lives at certain times. If there's traumatic events, we can acquire different love languages. And you're going to listen to some of this and you're going to be like, well, I'm one, two, and three, right? Maybe I have three love languages. And that's a possibility also. So I just wanted to kind of put that out there when you're listening to this, that you don't start panicking and being like, oh my God, I'm never going to be in love. That's not what that is about either. So to really break it down, and I use this with my patients, and I'm sorry to Gary Chapman because when I explain it, sometimes it means that people don't go by the book because I break it down very easily. The concept of love languages is so simple. It's I'm going to use Rachel and I as an example, but imagine Rachel and I are in a relationship and Rachel only speaks Chinese, okay? And I only speak Japanese. If Rachel tries to communicate to me only in Chinese, what is going to happen? We're going to get an egg roll instead of the lo mein. I, I don't know. <laughs> Quite possibly, we are okay. going to definitely have a disconnect, right? And what's going to happen is that Rachel's going to sit here and be like, but I'm communicating that I love you. I am doing or saying something that is, from my perspective, something that you should understand, whether it's mm -hmm. love or what we want for dinner or whatever. I am communicating something to you and me, the recipient, I'm going to sit here and be like, I don't understand a freaking word of that. That means nothing to me. So, and vice versa. If I were to communicate in the Japanese, Rachel would feel like, what the hell is she talking about? It's that simple of a concept. What it's saying, if we translate it into the five love languages, is if you are speaking from your love language, and I will explain what those are, but if you are speaking from your love language constantly, communicating love the way that you like to receive it and your partner does not find that to be a way of receiving love he or she is going to feel as though you don't love him or her and vice versa if your partner is only communicating to you in the way that they want to receive love you will feel unheard, unseen, unconnected, or disconnected, or what have you. So let me make it a little bit more tangible, okay? I'm going to use a clinical example first. I had a lesbian couple in my office once, and one of the partners said, my partner writes the most beautiful cards to me, leaves me cards all over the house. I mean, the words are so beautiful. They're beautiful, she says, but I can't stand getting cards. I want her to go out on walks with me. I want her to spend time with me. I want her to ask me how my day was, whatever it was. And we sat there and we looked at it and the other partner was saying, I wish that she would write me cards. Mm -hmm. I wish that she would say to me how she feels, communicate it to me in some way. And you could see that both partners wanted what they were giving to the other person. Okay. Well, the fir first of all, we I feel like we're like landing the plane before we even told our audience where we're going on this journey because we haven't gone over the five love languages. I'm so, going there. To, to, I know. So, to, but one of my love languages is organization and control <laughs> and following the syllabus. Okay, so that's my love language. Duly noted. You are not communicating with me. Okay, but anyway, not. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. But now I have a question about this couple of yours, and yeah. then we'll go back to what those five love languages sure. are. You said, you know, partner A is writing these beautiful letters and all she wants is for her partner to write them back. And the partner is saying, I just wish she would go on walks with me. My question to you, Dr. Boga, is if we're doing something because we want the other person to do that same thing in return, it's kind of like doing something because you want the thank you instead of just doing it. Like, can't you just do it because that's what makes you feel good? Even if the other person expresses their appreciation or love or gratitude in another way, like, doesn't that fit in the language of just communicating? Well, and yes, and this is why I caution everybody that this is a starting point and that's okay. a perfect example of it. You know, we're talking absolutes here. If that's the only way we're communicating to somebody, then it kind of feels like the other person's going to get resentful, right? They're mm -hmm. just not getting anything else that they want. If they are receiving their love language in some way, and the person's still writing cards because they want to write cards, right. then the person who's receiving the cards is not going to feel resentful, nor is the person who is writing the cards going to feel resentful because the partner's communicating to them in other ways through their love language. 
Well, as you're talking, Mm -hmm. I'm starting to use, you know, I guess my own life as an example, but also like just generally speaking. Mm -hmm. And I wonder, healthy couples, do they... I mean, you know me, Dr. Boca, another one of my love languages is that I'm so literal Mm -hmm. that like, do people actually sit down and say, here are the things that make me tick. Here are the things that get me going. Here are the things that I love that I need. Because you would think in a literal world, if people would just sit down and map that out, then the whole world, there'd be rainbows and sunshine and a lot more unicorns. Sure. It just doesn't seem like that's practical. So let's go back to the beginning and let's break this down. Yep. And we will address that question for you because it depends on the relationship. Okay. And so for some people, they need this Bible, so to speak, in front of them because they literally have to sit and have the conversation. Other people communicated all the time as they're talking, getting to know each other, share with each other. They can start having these authentic conversations where they don't necessarily have to take the test in the book to figure okay. out what their love language is. Yeah. All right. Go yeah. ahead. Let's, so, okay. all right. Let's so, start with number one. Okay. And let me just put also out there that there is some argument out there that there's actually more than five love languages. And so the way I will explain later how I kind of manage that also in my practice. And the first one is words of affirmation. Okay. So those are things like, thank you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> thank you for cleaning up. Thank you mm-hmm. for saying what you said. Thank you for taking the kids out for supper or you look beautiful. I love that dress on you. I love that the I love that outfit that you're wearing or I love that you did x y and z. Okay? For these individuals, they need to hear the words. You mm-hmm. could write the words, but they need to really hear them and they need to be authentic and specific to the individual. Okay? Okay. So we're not doing generic like, oh, you look okay, right? You look pretty. Uh-huh. That dress on you looks so beautiful. I love like, I love it. I love how you look in it. I love how you, whatever, okay? These individuals are very hurt um, when you insult them, mm-hmm. okay? So we just have to kind of keep that in mind. Words of affirmation, it makes sense. Words of affirmation would be a positive. If you're going to insult them, it would be a negative. I know I'm, I'm kind of jumping ahead a little bit, but I guess based on what you said before, I, I want to just keep this in context. If someone's love language are words of affirmation, then is it true that they want, for the most part, let's say, Mm -hmm. ideally, if their partner's love language were words of affirmation also, that Mm -hmm. would be like the jackpot of all conformity in, in the sense of like, oh, we have the same love language. Right. You talk, I talk. You say, I say, yippee, yay, we're very wordy. Yes, exactly. And um, I caution everybody that just because you have different love languages doesn't mean you are not compatible. But having a same love language just makes it easier. Okay. Because you guys like the same thing. So the way that I feel love, Uh I can communicate love to another person and they will receive it. It's just a natural flow. Okay. Okay. When gotcha. it's different, now we have to put away some of our needs sometimes okay. and focus on the other person and speak in their language. And if they don't re- do the same for us, right. we start to get resentful because we're constantly meeting their needs and they're not meeting our love needs. Okay. What's number two? Number two is gift giving. Ooh, okay. who doesn't love gift giving? <laughs> well, okay. Yes. And oh, no. actually, well, no. Okay. Yeah. Actually, right. But you know what? And here, listen, I guess this is one of my love languages. I actually do love to give gifts. Mm-hmm. Okay. It That's just one of my things. I put time right. and attention into it, so on and so forth. But now I'm kind of jumping ahead a little bit in the sense yep. that the way that I interpreted that too was gift receiving. Cause yes. I, like, I think I'm speaking from like both ends of my ass right now. Cause it's like, <laughs> who, who doesn't love to get a gift? But, but there I, are people yeah, you're, that I do think not right. love to get gifts. So I'll give you an example. When my husband and I first started dating, I loved to give gifts and I still do love to give gifts and I do love to receive gifts. I'm not sure that's like my number one love language, but it is mm-hmm. a big one. My husband doesn't love receiving gifts. Mm-hmm. He doesn't mm-hmm. care. Mm-hmm. He would rather other things. And I'll, and I can talk mm-hmm. about that as we do that. And it took okay. a very long time because the things that come so naturally for me, similar to my clients was 
not being received in any way because he was kind of like, well, okay, thanks. That was nice. And I, here I am feeling like, oh my God, but I'm telling you how much I love you in the in the specific thing that I bought. And he was like, it was nice. Like he'd okay. rather the card. Okay. See, now I want to marinate in that. And part of me, and I don't want to make this so me, me, make, but again, here comes my narcissism coming in, that because I love giving gifts and I, it's not like I'm just going and buying a generic, whatever I put time and attention into whatever it may be, especially for someone that I really care about. And now I'm thinking through that. Like when I, then you give the gift and they're like, okay, great. I love it. Thanks. And then me, Mm -hmm. okay. In my unpolishedness and some of this narcissism, whatever, it's like, what do you mean? Like, how do you love it? Tell me how much you love it. Like, well, what, what, what about the book? And did you see what I, what, what I did there? And I'm now dissecting every bit that it's almost like I gave the gift. The gift was more for me than exactly. it was for that person. Yep. And then if they're not receiving it in the way that I want them to receive it, now all of a sudden the whole thing has blown up because I'm yes. like, now I'm angry and annoyed that they didn't literally jump for joy. And now I'm the greatest person in the entire world. And right. I took the time and attention to get them this gift that they're like, and, and it wasn't even like they didn't like it, which brings me back to my point of, because I am so literal, I think on a go forward, I do need to sit and map out what is your love language? What is my love mm-hmm. language? Let's make sure. And then like, you have to pass the test to make sure you know what my love language is so that we're communicating effectively. Yeah. A lot of work. That's a lot of work. It shouldn't be that hard. But it doesn't have to be that hard, Rach. I mean, again, and you're very concrete, very literal about these types of things. And maybe for you, you Mm -hmm. guys open the book and take the quiz together. And then there's there's nothing else to it, right? Right. For my husband and I, we had a conversation about it afterwards. And I was like, I don't understand, but I love giving gifts. Like that makes me happy. And he's like, yes, but a gift is really when people give gifts, it's for the person giving the gift, I not know. the person yeah. receiving. Yeah. And when he yeah. said it to me that way, I was yeah. like, huh, maybe gift giving isn't really my love language. Well, what about the idea? Because this is something that is probably universal, but it's happened in my life over the course of time too, where someone's idea of a gift is different than another person's idea of a gift. Whereas Mm -hmm. sometimes people want a tangible materialistic item when other times people's love language in gift giving is also different. It's an experience. It's a moment. It's a vacation, you know, whatever. Mm -hmm. And then you have to now, you you have to fine tune what your definition of a gift is, Mm -hmm. right? And and we're going to get to one of the love languages in a little bit that can also go in there because there's quality time. And so now is that trip actually the gift part of it or is it the quality time together part of it, right? Right. So, and that's how some of these can blur. You can have more than one, right? you know, it's it's just a different way to think about it. And just, you know, just for our listeners listening to this, it can be tangible. It can be intangible. There's no set way that the gift giving is. It's Mm -hmm. that you use these to make somebody feel appreciated because, that is how oftentimes you feel appreciated, right? That is your love language, okay? And so for these individuals, if they don't have the everyday gestures, like somebody's not thinking about the special occasions or the day-to-day and like maybe like leaving a little Hershey kiss for them or something like that on their pillow and they are start missing like the special occasions, that's when they find it very hurtful, Mm -hmm. okay? So I'm just trying to give the... Broad stroke. And the, the pitfalls of these because how we can fail our partners when we aren't speaking their language. So the third one is called acts of service. So acts of service is really doing something, some kind of service that's helpful or kind. So cleaning, doing the dishes, waking up with the baby. If the baby wakes up in the middle of the night, going and running the dog out to walk because you're just like not in the mood to do it or it's raining outside, taking out the garbage, things like that. Could be, you know, picking up somebody from the airport for them, you know, whatever the case may be. And I will tell you, my husband loves acts of service and I'm sitting there going, there is no way I can speak that language. No way. There is no way I can speak that language. I do not like to clean. I do not like to cook. I do not like to, you know, I can't even see the garbage when it's standing in front of me. So I was like, oh my God, I found the one person who wanted acts of service. And it took a very long time for us to navigate that. 
Okay. And that's great. So bravo to you and your husband. But as you're saying what examples of these acts of service are, I'm thinking to myself, and again, I always say like, do as I say, not as I do. I'm the one that's not in a relationship. So who am I to say this? But like those acts of service as it relates to a love language, how about the fact that like there's a fucking garbage can here and take it out. Like someone should be complimented for taking out the garbage. No, it's not about complimenting. It's not about complimenting. It's about it's about if you were my partner and that was your love language. Yeah. When I did it, if I took out the garbage for you, yeah, that would feel like love. You would feel appreciation toward me for doing that gesture. Who would? Because I'm confused. You and I are in a in a relationship, and your love language is acts of service. If I go take that out, uh huh. Okay. And you didn't have to. Yeah. You oh, would, I would feel yes. love because you did that job. Yes. Oh. So um, I'm not looking for the compliment. I'm not looking okay. for anything. I'm just yeah. trying to give you what is meaningful to you. Oh. So it saved oh. you. But again, this doesn't seem like this is your love language. I, no, because to me, it just seems like this is my life language. That it's like, your choice. how do you not? Yeah. I mean, these are just basic responsibilities that go along with okay. like doing the laundry, taking but the garbage I'll out. I'll give you another example. I'll give you an ex- another example. We get a beautiful TV stand mm-hmm. and it has to get put together. Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah. My husband loves putting this stuff together. Okay. Loves doing it because that's mm-hmm. a love language for him. So he used to think that by him putting that together, yes. he was communicating to me Hey, I'm going to take care of it because that's important to you and you don't have to do it. I'm showing you that I love you. No, no, no. But that's not my love language. Okay. But your love language. But back to what I was saying about if you convey what your love language is, Mm -hmm. if you then ordered a piece of furniture that needed to be put together, okay, Mm -hmm. and then your husband showed up and you were like, hey, babe, I got it. I'm going to put it together. Is that you showing him that you you are understanding of his love language and now you're going to put the coffee table together? Yes. Yes. All right. I mean, to me, listen, far be it for me to start competing with like love languages that just seem like life. I mean, my love language is freaking food. Okay. (laughs) Feed me. I'll feed you. Let's talk about where we're going for dinner tonight and what kind of carbohydrates we can shove down our face. And that was my point at the beginning. Okay. This was a starting off point 30 years ago. Okay. It opened the dialogue. Okay. When I work with my my couples, I start with the language. Like okay. you speak Chinese, you speak Japanese. To me, it doesn't matter what the words are or the things are that are your love language. If you want it to be food, then Rachel's love language is food, and we work with that. I don't care if it doesn't fall into one of these five domains. So, and for the idiots like me out there, if we take away love language as the title, okay, Could we also dumb it down and say, like, in an unpolished way, it's sort of like, what makes you tick? I mean, that's basically, like, we don't have to make it any more complicated than that. I think maybe, and someone like me, like, when I hear love language, which is maybe why, like, we're even having this conversation, it's like, what do you mean love language? Why does it have to be so rigid under the umbrella of like, in order to love effectively, this is what you have to learn or unlearn or communicate or not communicate. How about just like making sure you are expressing in a way that makes sense to whomever the other exactly. person is. This is what I'm into. This is what drives me crazy. Yes. This is what gets me going. And this is what I'm going to lose my mind and we're going to have an argument if these things happen. Or I feel closer to you when. Okay. Okay. And I feel unheard or unseen or unappreciated when. Okay. Okay. Got it. And vice versa. So it is used as a resource to start conversation. Okay. Right. And so again, but there are people, Rachel, that will hold on to it like the Holy Grail to start right. off with because it makes sense to them mm-hmm. and they can go through the checklist in the book and figure out what their language is. And then the partner has that roadmap to do exactly what that is okay. for them. 
So just to sort of back up before we move forward, we said the first love language was words of affirmation, correct? Correct. Thank you. You're welcome. You look beautiful. I love that dress, Mm -hmm. et cetera. Number two was remind us. Oh, right. Gift giving. Okay. Which we kind of just broke down into gift giving, gift receiving. The receiver and the giver may not have the same love language. So it, so that's a tricky one. Well, that's like Japanese and Chinese. They could totally miss each other and you could get the egg okay. roll. Instead egg of roll the- sushi. Right. right. Okay. Mm-hmm. Like we're, we're sort of in the same continent, <laughs> exactly. but like that's not what I ordered. It's exactly. totally not what I ordered. Not okay. what I ordered. Number three was this acts of service nonsense that I completely do not subscribe <laughs> to. I feel like anyone who's going to be in my stratosphere, like that's basic 101. Like you take out the garbage, I'll take out the garbage, but like someone's got to take out the garbage. Yeah. And maybe that's, it, it may not be your top one, but some people love acts of service. Like I said, my husband loves acts of service and could do it till the cows come home, clean up, make everything organized. Like I come home from trips, my house is spotless and he gets so excited and expects me to be so excited. And I appreciate it. Like, oh my God, I love having a clean house, but it's not like my end all be all. If you put well, like a Louis we- Vuitton bag on top right, right, of the right. counter, well, that okay. I could- and, and, and that bring, before we get to number four and five, you kind of just hit the nail on the head with an overlapping of yes. love languages. Like he cleaned up. Okay. That's his acts of service language. If you came home and used your love language, number one, words of affirmation, hey, babe, thank you so much. Mm -hmm. But then he commingled that with a third one, which was gifts and on the clean counter. After you said thank you, there's another reason to say thank you because now there's an actual gift in a box with a bow (laughs) and it's a pocketbook that we would have some serious love language it would be like an orgy, right? Yeah, however, yeah, yeah. however, like if he, the times that he, I come home and the house is like beautiful uh-huh. and I do give the words of affirmation, I don't feel anything, right? I appreciate it, but I'm okay. not feeling loved because he cleaned and he's not feeling loved because what he really wanted from me was to like get on my hands and knees. I was going to yeah, so unclean. Well, no, I was going to say like well, in in that scenario, the only thing that would actually make an active service love language person feel loved is if you two got down and you became Carol Burnett and started mopping. Yeah, I mean, pretty much. <laughs> but if it, you know, but he also has other love languages, okay. you know, okay. and if it's words of affirmation, great, because then I could be like, oh my god, this was like the nicest thing in the world, right. and blah blah blah. But again. I didn't receive the love language. Right. He thought he was communicating it because it was coming from his need okay. for that love language, which was okay. acts of service. So I just want people to be mm-hmm. clear because people come to me all the time saying, but I'm doing this and I'm doing this and I'm doing this. And I'm saying, but that is not yeah. being received mm. because that's not their love language. Right. But here's the thing though. Again, I'm so basic at this. I'm trying to get it right this next go round. So I'm like, mm-hmm. you know, how, this has absolutely nothing to do with anything. But you know how when we did the episode on grief and loss, it's like, I want to pre-grieve before I have to, <laughs> right? So, so now it's like, I want to study and I want to pass the test before I even get into it because I don't want to screw it up the next time around. So I'm just thinking of things like one of my love languages. And again, we haven't even gotten to number four and five. So I don't even know if this is my own made up love language or not. Okay. But like, I would like for someone who, let's say someone is very, very, very busy, right? Their whole workday is just a constant chain of command of work, 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 mm-hmm. solving all the world's problems, securing cancer, blah, 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 etc. And in the middle of the day, like you still have to breathe and seeing as though food is my love language, God forbid I should miss a meal. (laughs) Wouldn't it be great if in the middle of the day, the phone rang and it was someone just saying like, Hey, thinking about you, I'm busy, you're busy, but I just want to give you that to me would be the greatest love language of a midday language. Right. So why can't the other person just hone in and do that? Even if it's not their love language. Right. And that's, I'm giving you the playbook here. But that's the whole point of the love languages is you're giving the playbook to the other person. Like, this is what this person 
your partner needs to feel love and appreciation and security and to be seen by you. And now when you do that, you will create an emotional intimacy between you and your partner that that partner is going to want to continue to do Mm. the things that, or say or do whatever the love language is, the things that are important to you. Right. So that you feel love and appreciation. What happens and where it gets messy is when one person is constantly doing the love language of the other person and the partner is not communicating in their love language because they feel like they're constantly giving, 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 and their needs are not being met. And I would think then there there would have to be a compromise because if two people don't have the same love language, and to your point before, you said, look, would it be great if they both had the same? Yeah. But that's not the world we live in and that's not realistic. And that would be so linear that you can have different love languages but coexist and it can sure. work and whatever if you're communicating. Dr. Bogle, what's number four? Okay. What, what's the fourth love language? The fourth one is quality time. Okay. okay? And okay. so that is when your partner is present, mm-hmm. not distracted, engaging in an activity. Ideally, this activity is something you both enjoy. And so okay. this is an example where when you have different love languages, you can find that sweet spot because you both can find enjoyment in something But usually when it's quality time, they just want to enjoy being with you. So that could be a conversation in the middle of the day where they reach out to you and say, hey, what are we going to do for dinner tonight? You know, or they say, hey, I'm going to stop working today because I know it's important to you and I'm going to come home an hour earlier and we're going to sit over a glass of wine and have a conversation or just hang out or play Monopoly if we both love playing Monopoly or go to see a movie or go to go on a hike together, whatever it is. Or in your case, I'm going to come home early and we're going to clean the bathroom. <laughs> Maybe that is not right. a, that is not something we both enjoy doing. Right. Okay. Although I have gotten better at it because I know it is important to him. The key here is that the partner is not distracted. So when they're okay. on their phone or they're you know watching Netflix and you're trying to have quote unquote quality time and you want in that quality time interaction, that's not really going to work. And it leaves the other person feeling unheard and unseen. And that's where the real problem comes in. Okay. The last one is physical touch. Okay. And this does not mean it's just sex. Mm -hmm. This could be casual. It could be platonic, you know, or more platonic where maybe you're holding your hands or you're walking past somebody in the hallway and you give them a peck on the cheek or you scratch their back while you're watching a movie or you just, you know, you're sitting at dinner and you touch their knee under the table, something like that, all the way to sex. Mm -hmm. So for this one, it's really about not feeling isolated, not feeling alone in a relationship with somebody. So again, these are just some categories of the five love languages that he developed. And now as time has gone on and it's been 30 years, I, who is not a researcher, have come across research where they say there's actually maybe seven love languages. I personally believe there could be a thousand love languages. This is me personally, not scientific. This is very unpolished of me. But if we just understand that whatever it is that we feel loved by, okay, and feels like we are more likely to um, feel emotionally connected to our partner, Mm -hmm. to me, that's a love language. Right. That what about, funny. so I know you're not the researcher, but what what is the research that talks about the two others? What are the potential two other love languages out there? So the other ones, as you listen to them, you're going to kind of feel like, oh, they kind of sound a little bit the same. So one is activity, which okay. is uh, doing activities with partner, with your partner and maybe something they're interested in. And see, um, I would, I would couple that with like quality time. Absolutely. But okay. what they're saying is quality time doesn't necessarily have to be active. Okay. Right. Okay. So it. it's yep. kind of that. All right. Um, appreciation. So acknowledging. I would put that in with words of affirmation. That's words of affirmation. Absolutely. The third one they say is emotional, you know, deep stuff like um, talking about how you're feeling and how you yeah. like envision your futures to be like and, and things like that. See, I think, and just hearing that, I don't know that I would have phrased it that way, but I do think, and I know I joke, like food is one of my love languages, even though 
that's not a joke. <laughs> I mean, food gets me going. So that's one of mine. But this whole emotional connection, mind, body, soul type of thing, that like sapiosexual thing, that's a love language of mine. Yeah. And it's funny because that's not even the one that they, they consider the sapiosexual one because there oh. is one that is sapiosexual. Oh. And I was like, oh, Rachel, that's yours. Oh, um, so, but so then what would the difference then be between the sapiosexual and whatever this emotional so on, so similar to you, you like structure and organization. Uh-huh. You are making me go out of order right now oh, of and course. are not communicating in my Sorry. love language. No, I'm just Sorry. kidding. So the sapiosexual one is if we're attracted to their intelligence. Yeah. Right. It's really the intellectual part. The other one is the emotional, the feelings, the sensitivities around the other person. And so I tend to believe mind, body, spirit kind of go all together, Mm -hmm. but there are people who really just want to get into an intellectual debate or want somebody who's smarter than them, who can challenge them on intellectual concepts and stuff like that. And that's what they consider the sapiosexual one. Okay. Well then I would like make up my own to like intertwine it all. Right. But you know, the things that jump off the page to me at least, and yeah, these five love languages, I can see how like they are a broad stroke and who wouldn't want words of affirmation or who wouldn't want to receive or give a gift or who wouldn't want their toilet cleaned when you came home from a trip and, you know, et cetera, et cetera. But I think too, and when I joke about like the food thing, again, it's not a joke, but I put humor. um, Yeah, exactly. That, that whole sense of humor, Mm -hmm. sarcastic nature, being quick witted to me, that is a whole section of love language that like you gotta have like that's something whether you're my friends whether you're my future partner whether even you're a colleague like for me to like really get it with you like we've got to mentally be on the same page with that kind of stuff okay and so this is not though and and this is let's keep this in mind this is not who i'm going to be attracted to this is how am i going to communicate and feel love from the other person. So I just want to clarify that for our listeners. I appreciate that you and me both are going to be attracted to somebody who has humor, intellect, and can get to emotionally deep places. Mm -hmm. But how do I really feel love and appreciation from them? And it could still be those. It was just how you said it. It was kind of like that was what was going to be attractive to you, but not necessarily if somebody did this all the time, were you going to feel love from them? Okay, but but back to what we said in the beginning of the episode that these languages don't only have to be for a love interest. Like, I don't really care if my boss, let's say, right, mm-hmm. in a work environment, the end game isn't that he or she loves me or I love them. Right. I just have to be able to get along with them and keep my job. And and I think we're talking, yes, and that is what I said at the beginning. I said kids. Um, uh-huh. And so that there's a book out on the five love languages for kids. This is really, it was started, and this is part of the problem. It was started by Chapman from a heterosexual, intimate partner construct. And people were having difficult time with the heterosexual part because, and he also came from a Christian background. And so people were like, oh, well, this is like based on different structures of households and different relationship morality and things like that. And that is where the seven came from because it was a break-off of the Christian values and it was a break-off of the heterosexual and it went to not necessarily the traditional relationships. So the original five love languages really was about intimate heterosexual partners. And then it's since branched off. So Dr. Bogan, let me ask you a question. And this is a good time to remind the listeners, this is not real therapy, even though I'm loving this conversation and I feel like I'm having a therapy session with you on this. Do you feel loved by me? I I feel loved, (laughs) yes. I feel heard, Dr. Bogan. I feel like you're, you're hitting all the spots for me. But here is my question, even though this is not real therapy. I guess I'm speaking in a perfect world, let's say, right? Where the stars are aligned. And two people really do care tremendously about each other and they are mature enough to have the dialogue over, this is what makes me tick, this is what makes me tick, and communicating what their needs and wants and desires are. And that respect is there, but yet it's like, oh my God, I forgot. (laughs) Or, oh yeah, you told me. (laughs) Or, oops, next time I'll do better. In your professional opinion, with the couples that you see or individual Mm -hmm. patients, I suppose, how often do they miss the mark 
and it still is a successful relationship versus really understanding and it working out. Again, I'm looking for like the Dalai Lama of these relationships. And we all know that that relationships aren't perfect. It's not always going to be a home run every day, whether you're together for an hour or for 50 years. So just give me some, and I don't mean real statistics. I just mean in your practice. Like, do you hear what I'm asking? I think I understand. What I'm hearing you ask is, is there really the Dalai Lama, the relationship where everybody kind of communicates openly, they have constant respect for each other. Yes, they're going to miss the mark sometime, but they're going to sit down and they're going to come from it out of a place of we've banked enough in the piggy bank that if they didn't do it that time, they've made up for it in all the other ways and I'm going to be empathic toward it. And and mm-hmm. and we have this open line of communication and we're still, you know, intimate with one another emotionally and physically. And really, this is my soul's partner and we're going to go into the sunset together versus how many of them really just can't communicate and can't get their shit together. Now, or they're like, God damn it. How many times do I have to tell you that? Right. It, right. And then and, fill in the blank. <laughs> so, and so I will tell you that it's not fair to ask me that question because okay. I already see people in my practice that have self-selected to come into therapy, usually for a relationship-oriented construct, right? So for instance, people come into therapy of sex, money, and communication, right? That's usually underlying something in their relationships, something whether it's interpersonal or in a mutual relationship or an intimate relationship. So it's hard because I already see a skewed sample. What I will tell you amongst all the people that I run in the circles of life with, I would say that in the early years, so before 40, I think people get a lot of passes. They have more tolerance and, and, and are not as resentful and angry when their partners miss the mark, mm-hmm. okay, or consistently miss the mark. Usually one partner, not always, you know, there are that, that there are, and I know a few that are like the Dalai Lamas of all relationships, but typically after we have children, if we aren't putting attention into that relationship between partners, what happens is one person starts to feel resentful because they are doing more and their needs are not being met. Mm -hmm. And so what happens is if they can talk about it and if they can go back to the basics of respect and communication, they can get through it. It doesn't take a lot. It kind of gets everybody out of their worldview and focusing in on what's really important and focusing in on how to meet the needs of their partner while their needs are also being met. However, unfortunately, there are a lot of individuals who, due to things like social media and access and and jobs and things like that, have the affairs, have the access to seeing what they think are better lives. And so in the past, I would have said the percentage was much higher that we could get them to a point of resurrection or coming back together. Mm -hmm. Now there's so many, quote unquote, distractions out there. And there's so many opportunities or they see people around them that they think are living that greater life that they don't want to try. Or that they have made a decision in their own head to, quote unquote, maybe change their love language and not tell or communicate with their partner who all along thought that their love language was A, and then all of a sudden all these distractions and bells and whistles and blinking lights and so on and so forth go off. And and that's where the communication ceases. Correct. And that's why the love languages is a good foundation. And as I said at the beginning, your, your love language can change. Absolutely can change. And so we just have to be able to communicate that, recognize it, and then communicate it to our partner and our partner be open to that Mm -hmm. because we're not the same people we were in when we met in our 20s and 30s. We've now, you know, moved on and have different types of lifestyles and we've had children or jobs or live in different states or whatever the case may be. And we've changed and we've grown as we should as we should. So I just, for our listeners, I want to go back to the seven because we didn't get through all of them, but it was activity and appreciation, which we talked about, the emotional. There was also financial. And this was, if somebody chooses to use their financial resources on me, okay? So it's not like, do we have a lot of money in our bank? It's, do they choose to, you know, think about me and want to include me in something that was a financial 
using well, their, their money. Do you mean like from a decision-making standpoint or not? Because I would think then that would fall into gift giving if it ends up being that the gift was of material nature. And again, this is why it it is. This is how come they say these overlap with gift giving. But this one is actually a little bit more about investing one's money and financial resources into the relationship. So I don't think it's necessarily buying the Louis Vuitton bag as much as it's saying, hey, you know, I really wanted you to go back. You know, you really wanted to go back to school. And I think we should take this money and put it towards your future education. That's what you want to do or something like that. And then there's intellectual, which we talked about, the debating and the deep thoughts. There's the physical, which would be for the same idea as the same uh, physical touch that we talked about. And then practical. And this is similar to acts of service. When your partner does something for you, that's really just practical, like, you know, changes your filter, your air filter or changes your tires or something like that. So I just wanted to go through all of that so, right. so people understood. The other thing that I wanted people to understand, if our listeners are listening to this and they're like, wait a minute, I'm really kind of confused a little bit about this. So ask yourself, like, how do I like to give and receive love? Okay. Like, let's start with that question. Okay. And and whatever you come up with your answers. And like, when I want to show affection to somebody, how do I do that? Do I wind up like buying concert tickets? Or do I wind up cooking and cleaning for somebody? Or do I wind up writing a beautiful card for somebody? Or do I wind up complimenting each other? And that will kind of give you sort of a... Like a blueprint. Exactly. And then what makes you feel most loved and cared for? Because that's what you're going to want to get from your partner, okay? So do you feel closest when your partner touches you or when they say something nice or when they cook dinner for you or whatever, whatever? So this will give you what do you typically communicate outward Mm -hmm. and what do you want to receive inward? I love it. That's a great homework assignment for our listeners to kind of take pause and think about. I have one more question, which probably is going to launch us into a whole other topic that we'll probably have to save for another day. But I think it warrants asking, Dr. Boca, and that is the love languages that we are most ourselves with, right? Our most authentic selves. Mm -hmm. Is that a generational thing in the sense that then what makes us tick is what potentially our children would have as love languages as they get older or what we as adults now saw growing up when we were children from the adults in our lives. And because again, it's like monkey see, monkey do. What are are your thoughts on that? So, I mean, and again, this is not based on anything scientific. I can tell you that when you live in a family where love is communicated through, let's say money, since that's going to be the easiest one for everybody to understand, you will most likely wind up taking that and feeling like, oh, okay, so when someone buys me something or somebody gives me something, that makes me feel loved. Doesn't necessarily mean that that's how you're going to give to your partner going forward, but it is likely going to be, unless you've gone through therapy or you've had some other traumas or what have you, or you've matured, likely when somebody does that to you, it brings you back to those earlier experiences where love was given to you in money. Now, if you resented the fact that there was no emotional love in your life and it was only through money, Mm -hmm. then you will probably seek a partner who, when they give you some words of affirmation or quality time or something like that, It'll land better. It's going to land better on you and feel better. Now, you may then respond with money because that might be the only way you know how to do it. So a a lot of this is about self-awareness. A lot of this is about, like you said, being true to yourself Mm -hmm. and not trying to say, well, I think that gift giving sounds terrible as a love language because that's like I only want somebody for their money or gift, you know, gift receiving and giving or whatever. And people do, they hear that one and they're like, ugh, it's kind of like when you do the Myers-Briggs and people say, I'm an introvert and they're all like so upset that they're an introvert. Introversion is not a bad thing, Mm -hmm, right? mm -hmm. It's the same thing. Gift giving is not a bad thing. It's just how you are able to communicate or feel love. That's it. I'm going to say this is a good place to stop only because as we're talking about this now, I feel like 
I'm remembering the conversation we had about attachment side. I feel like mm-hmm. there's so many layers here and the onion, sure. you could peel it back and peel it back and peel it back. And not that I want to make a mountain out of a mohill. Again, I'm an overthinker, <laughs> which I don't even know if that's a whole love language of itself. But I think that for the purpose of today's episode, hitting on the love languages, discussing what they are, and then maybe taking pause to think about where we fall in, where we overlap. It's been very informative for me because I do think I'm a little bit of all of them. And Um, and then of course, you know, some of my own things that have nothing to do with a titled issue or whatever, I think all play into it, whether it's my, you know, control issues or, you know, I, 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 to find respect with being on time, let's say, mm-hmm. whatever. Like, that's a love language of mine. Like, sure. if you're late to whatever the occasion is, I somehow correlate that into, well, you must not, I say love loosely, right? Mm-hmm. You know, like in a business scenario, like, I don't think love is really the currency that we're exchanging, but I couple that in with respect and so on and so forth. And then, you know, you go down the rabbit hole from well, there. I- And I would say, Rach, let's go back to the foundations of where this was founded. This was found on intimate partner relationships. And so I would go back for you since you can go, I mean, down every rabbit hole known to man. If we're really going to look at this, maybe let's just stay with not even your children. Let's just stay with a future partner for you and identifying at this point your own love languages, right? right? And start there. And then we can always extrapolate. But again, it all goes back to, I don't care what the quote-unquote love language is. It's the concept of being able to speak the language of the other person and not holding on to your Chinese like it is Mm. the end of the earth and like the greatest thing in the world and throwing Chinese and being like, oh, I'm going to teach you Chinese. You're going to learn Chinese and you're only going to do Chinese and it's only Chinese in the house. This is about, oh, we're going to learn Chinese and we're going to learn Japanese and we're going to work together and I'm going to come at it from a Japanese perspective in order to get you to come at it from a Chinese perspective. Fine. As long as on Sunday, we're still having Chinese food and Friday night, we're having sushi. Sushi. All is well that ends well. Perfect. (laughs) Okay. So on that note, to the listeners out there, I want to thank all of you for spending your time with Dr. Boca and myself. Dr. Boca, thank you for sharing with me your perspective on those love languages, be it five, be it seven, be it whatever. And for those of you out there listening, if you have any questions, concerns, comments, you want to share with us what your love language is, we would love to hear it. You can email us at Unpolished Therapy at gmail.com. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram at Unpolished Therapy on Twitter or X or whatever we're calling it these days. We don't even know what language that is over there. So you may order one thing on Twitter and you may get another thing on X. I don't know that we're, we understand that whatsoever, but we hope to hear from you and we look forward to another episode where we are breaking down all the wreckage on the corner of audacity and advice. This is Rachel Silver Cohen and Dr. Boca. Thanks for tuning in today, guys. Great sesh, girls. Hey, everyone, like what you heard? Then don't miss out on what comes next. Subscribe now and please give the girls a five-star rating. Learn more at www.unpolishedtherapy.com. Find and like them on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. We'll see you next week when Rachel Silvercone and Dr. Boca ditch the couch, grab the mic, and break down all the wreckage.